0: Hey y'all! Welcome to another episode of the Slim Podcast, and it is at Slim Cognito here to let you know and catch you up on what I've been doing this past week. And the first and foremost is I have completely finished both seasons of Mob Psycho 100. And I gotta say, when it comes to anime that subvert expectations and tells a shonen from a different angle in different ways, it is amazing. It's something that Oftentimes doesn't get explored and shown in anime, and it's perfect that I watched it right next to My Hero Academia because I found out that the strongest thing about My Hero Academia, especially with the latest episode, is that that anime is good at being inspirational. Like, it literally makes you feel like you can conquer anything when you get done seeing the things that's going on with Endeavor, with All Might, with Midoriya, with the whole crew. So, To juxtapose that with Mob Psycho, it's like Shigeo is just a normal, quiet, introverted kid that's growing day by day. So we get to watch that, but they don't really just talk so much about the strength that's within him because that's already a given. We know about that and the strength that he's trying to really, um, I guess you could say, really uh, expand upon. And become familiar with is his strength as a human. He's not so infatuated with his super supernatural strength as an esper because of the lessons that Raging Summer has been teaching him, and it's actually pretty good. It's about how even if you did have superpowers and everyone around everyone else around you are normal people, that doesn't make you special because humans take time to do so much as a collective to make things happen. Therefore, that would be more valuable out of the work and the sweat of their brow, rather than the fact that you can lift a truck with your mind. That's far more valuable. And your power should be of service to those people because of something that's greater than you would be the teamwork and collective work of humanity. That's an amazing story to tell and I can't get enough of that. It's an amazing anime. I I, 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 I can't think of another word to describe it as, but yeah, it's, it's so good. You should go and check it out. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. I've been missing out all this time on Mob Psycho and I want to see more from them and I can't wait. The writer is very good at understanding people almost as if he comes from a psychological background, he or she, and I would love to see more. Another thing, the latest *My Hero Academia*. Since I spoke about it, and spoke about it earlier in passing, I have to say that what made it so inspiring. I love the fact that they took this moment when they were speaking to Endeavor to talk about how different all three of them are. Meaning the three, I mean Midoriya, um, Todoroki, and Kachan. They are so different in terms of how they interpret their own powers and how they interpret their own growth, where literally Todoroki is all about trying to find out who he is and not defining himself by his childhood traumas. So he's on a, a journey of you know self-healing, whereas Midoriya is trying to redefine himself to become his dream. He is a person who literally is working from the bottom and trying to get to the top. And he's doing everything he can within his power by being as studious as he can to learn as much as he can. Just as much as him learning all of his techniques from his mentors or even his friends when he learned how to do the shoot style kicks from from Lita. So it makes a lot of sense. And I, I really like that he had a whole spiel of of a lot of things to just just text and on and on deep in depth observations of his powers and how they work. And that was great character building for me. It it, it it literally fleshes out the character even more. And I love that to be able to put us in the mindset of the character and know how they think and how they operate helps us understand this character in every instance that they operate within in the show and i like that so and then you have kachan you know the last one who basically is literally just driven to become stronger he wants to be number one and he found out that the definition of that is not solely about how much power you have and that's what drove him to become a better hero in the previous exercises and tournaments and etc taught him how to actually care for people and become a better person, to the point where you see all three of them are working toward the same goal, but at completely different starting points. And that's amazing. I love to see that. That is what you call top-notch A1, 100% amazing writing right there, and I'm here for it. It actually turns me on. So next thing, I'm gonna just uh, give you the lowdown of what I've been playing. And on the stream, we finished Final Fantasy IX this week over on Twitch. You can check out the VODs. They are still there while they are. Um, I'm going to work out some type of way to... I've got scripts written up of ideas that I wanted to do for the channel and whatnot. But then at the same time, I wanted to make a way to archive the VODs. So we'll be working toward that as well. But um, only certain games and certain playthroughs. Um, I guess we'll see about, maybe we'll get the vods and send them on over, light edit it and, you know, send them on over to YouTube or something like that. But they are available. They are there while they are. And I've defeated the bosses. This is what happened. Okay. So I came across the final bosses. I went in at like level 40 ish for my party. Was, my, my party was about, you know, an average of level 39. So We went in, we did our best, and we got wrecked because I killed the Death Guys Dragon. Of course, I've beaten all the other bosses uh, proceeding to it, but um, Death Guys Dragon, I wrecked it. Uh, Barely made it out of the fight, but I did make it out of the fight. Then came to Kuja. Kuja took a little bit of some time, but I actually managed to beat him. I think it took about two, maybe three tries, and then I beat him. And then finally, I got to the final and third and final boss of the entire game, which was Necron. And Necron was shooting. He had this one ability. Okay. He had one move called Blue Shockwave, which guaranteed to put any one target down to one HP. Then he had the Blue Cross, which was ridiculous. And no, it was Grand Cross, I think it was called. Grand Cross. Which is basically for, it shows an animation of a bunch of planets being lined up into a cross around where Earth is in the center, and it just inflicts every status effect in the book at random on your on your on your party. And I got wrecked by him my first try, and then got wrecked by him on like my third or fourth. So at that point, I was streaming for about a good seven six or seven hours, and I was tired. I said, I'm going to have to tackle this tomorrow. I came back the next day after doing a little bit of light research without any spoilers. And I decided that if I could not do it on another try on my first time back, I'll just go and grind. And I did just that. And during the grind, I wanted to go ahead and switch out my dagger white mage for Eiko as the white mage because Eiko had Kiraga whereas dagger did not now the thing about dagger is she's okay with the heels she's fine with the heels but she also has summon so she has pretty much she can deal damage as well as you know sustain the party but because i have all these other characters that can deal amazing damage not talking about freya freya kind of trash and i'm going to go on a little rant about freya in a second but all these other people that can deal this amazing damage in one turn a piece I don't really need her summoning Adalons in any form or fashion. All she needs to do is spam heal at that point. So here's the thing. My problem with Freya is that as a Dragon Knight, I was loving, you know, the class, the people who are Dragon Knights, like uh, Edward from Final Fantasy VI was amazing. Um, I guess um, after six, all of the rest of them were like um, just the abilities that you can equip to make them into that like you can change their basic attack to a jump attack or add it as an extra command like a seven i think is materia that gives you that ability and eight is uh i think it's a a gm that you can equip some type of uh, ability that'll give you the ability to do so but um Whenever there was a Dragon Knight character, usually they would be badass, and I have not seen one be great since Final Fantasy 6, and I don't understand why it's so trash, but it is. So, yeah, Freya's damage is not the best, and her best abilities are dice rolls. Okay, her second best ability was i forget the name of it but it's supposed to like bring a bunch of dragons out and it has a dice roll whether it will restore hp and mp fully of your party members or put them to one mp or one hp so you'll never know which one you're gonna get That's trash. I would never use anything like that. And you never, ever, ever, ever in an RPG. At least my rule of thumb is never choose random chance over consistent stats and results ever, 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 ever. Why take unnecessary risk when you know that you can just consistently do something that's more or even if it's a little bit less than what that dice roll could potentially give you? As long as it's consistent, you know what you are capable of and you don't have to really worry about the outcome because you're guaranteed to get this. That's why Kate Sith is not a popular character in Seven. That's the reason why people don't like using dice rolls in Pokemon. Just no, we want consistent results. So anyway, back to the game though. Necron, um, I defeated him after we grind and I took the party up to about level 50 for each person. Okay, this had everybody at a minimum of 3000 HP and we were ready to go. And I also made sure to equip every ability that was associated with anti CC or anti status effects. This is what made the big difference because one time after I came back to fight him again, I failed, but it was only because of RNG, the Grand Cross had him inflict zombie on three of my party members there's no way to fight against zombie aside from using an item called magic tag and i don't have any abilities that will negate that status effect from even being applied so yeah we kind of ate we kind of bought the farm on that one and we ate shit but we came back the second time and it was a good fight and we wiped him and I enjoyed it it was a good boss fight i was livid when i started playing final fantasy 9 i was mad because the pacing is slow which rightfully so it is it's very it's a snail's pace of a game so you have to be willing to accept that but it's one of those games that's literally designed from the bottom to the top All the way through in every aspect to pay off in the end and I didn't get it until I beat the game and the whole point of it was even down to the difficulty of the final bosses the whole point of the game and the message behind it was the will to live in humanity and how how hard you're willing to try to stay alive or keep going or to accomplish things or etc it's really about your journey that you look back on and you find out. When I look back on everything I did in that game from the start to the finish, I was like, damn, that was actually a good journey. It was a good adventure, actually. It was wholesome, it was you know, understandable and very humane. It didn't, like any other game that I would play, I would look back and say, oh, those are cool moments. You know, I remember the explosions and the great times and et cetera but when you look back at the beginning of the game it was a completely different vibe all around all the characters eventually grew or changed the important ones anyway not talking about freya uh, steiner i hated steiner at the start of the game hated him, hated him hated him hated him he was annoying he was too much of a prude he was always by the books nobody likes that at all and then you know suddenly he had this cool moment between him and beatrix after alexandria was attacked and that was so dope and it was the first time that he looked like a true hero and i understood why he does what he does then after he fell in love with beatrix and everything moved forward and you see the way he behaves toward the end you come to find out that he's not just someone who's annoying and prudish about rules and and you know upholding his knighthood but really he just defined that's what he defines himself that what gives him purpose in life is to be the greatest knight of alexandria and the title that he was given and being one of the knights of pluto he takes a lot of pride in that and it makes sense that's why he has so much dread when things started to go south and it looked like he was doing a bad job so he started overcompensating it's so oh my god it's so good and you know The things that Zidane was going through as a a character or Dagger even, you know, was interesting. So I'd say that I really did enjoy that game. It's the most down-to-earth Final Fantasy I've probably played. Maybe the closest, when it comes to being like relatable, like everyday human life, the closest I'd say would be Final Fantasy X. There were no relatable characters in eight nor seven, hardly any relatable in six, but 10, I feel like nine was that turning point that made that, that opened the doors for them to write amazing characters like they did in 10. Oh my God, 10 is so good. It's so good. It makes no sense how good it is. So yeah, that's my whole take on final fantasy nine it's it's great and i feel like if i were to compare it to the other game that it was developed alongside with at the same time which was final fantasy eight i would have to honestly say that i prefer nine over eight because it is a direct contrast to what eight is and eight is all about complexity and detail and postmodern understanding and everything about it is just complex 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 if you look at eight, it's got the junction system. It's got the active battle um buttons that you can, you know, do extra damage with. It's got, um, the different customization options and growth of character options or, you know, different areas on the map with different spawn points of enemies, you know, that are consistently like, like each enemy has a habitat, you know, it's got, Um, All these complexities with the gardens and the schools and these it's it's every The whole plot everything about it was about complexity from finding out their origins in the orphanage and all the way up to them being Assassins for hire and all the way up to them going into space. It was all about complexity whereas Final Fantasy 9 was simplicity from the, it was reflected from the gameplay to the story. It was all about simplicity, meaning not to get hung up on the details and miss the forest for the trees. Look at the bigger picture and not let certain parts of the, in the corners, captivate all your time and your energy. It's, it's, it's one of those games you have to look at on a macro level. And I love that. I love that. It, it didn't hammer it over my head but it literally did drive that idea home and I love that for it so yeah Final Fantasy 9 that's my complete understanding of it and how I view it or at least you know my perspective on it and I'm sure there are others out there but this is the best that I could conjure because this is how I choose to see it even though I haven't played every Final Fantasy that's the tone this game gives off to me and I like that next um, we've been playing some, of course, we're playing Ninja Gaiden Sigma three on the stream now, uh, just to finish out the trilogy. But the next game that we will be streaming, I have decided it's going to be none of the ones that I've mentioned before, cause those are coming later, but not too later, soonish, but later we'll be streaming. I have no mouth and I must scream. It has been decided that game is a very good philosophical, and just psychological marvel when it comes to writing. And I feel like it's one of those things that should be essentially studied on how to make descriptive writing for the purpose of causing the viewer and the reader to be uncomfortable in a beneficial way. It sends over certain emotions that you don't expect to get from media without using the cheap tricks. Like, for, for example, you watch your usual popcorn movie, and in order for them to show you a bad guy, they show him killing someone innocent, or harming children, or harming animals. And these tropes are used to establish, okay, this is the evil dude that needs to be defeated in this show or this movie. But he takes those to different levels and makes sure to use the area of the gray area to blend the definition of good and bad in so many believable real world ways. So I can't wait and I hope you all enjoy it as much as I hope to. And with all of that out of the way and being said, lightning round on the news, let's get started. So first thing on the docket over on pcgamer.com, there are one or two staff at Respawn working on Titanfall security problems. So, of course, I'm sure we talked about this last week or the week prior, I can't really recall, but there's been hackers that have been targeting Titanfall 1 and Titanfall 2 for that matter, where they DDoS servers and ruin games for people, and they've also been doing so on Apex Legends. And it turns out that a hacker hacked Apex Legends in order to force respawn into fixing Titanfall. Now... They've reported on this according to this article by Jordan McGregor, and it says that they have been working on the security in order to beat these hackers and get it in order. But the thing is, they can't reveal too much information because they would give a leg up on the hackers that would really fight against their countermeasures. So it's a it's a game of whack-a-mole. And the only way to win is to not show your hand while you're playing and they're doing their best to fix it. However, Titanfall is not the biggest priority, Apex is. So most likely they'll be fixing Apex and Titanfall 2 before they actually get around to repairing Titanfall 1. But they said they only have one or two people on the job. So let's hope for the best. I really would like to play my games because I'm I'm, I'm sick of having disconnects. It's getting real ridiculous. And these people who are DDoSing, man i i I really i don't want to wish nothing bad on y'all but i hope the worst so you can learn from this and stop doing it but um let's move on anyway yeah basically he's just saying and i quote um our community is at our wits end and feel abandoned which they kind of do because they've been asking for it to be fixed and it hasn't been but garza jason garza the community coordinator says that you are not abandoned. It's a game of whack-a-mole with this. As I said, we went on to explain that while he didn't have to repeat that the term was working on the, that the team was working on the issue because you can only hear that so many times before it becomes useless. Because now it's a different type of game with these people who DDoS and stuff like that, and blacklist and things like that. So we can't telegraph our moves. We can't say what we're doing. All I can say is we're working on it. And that's pretty much the thing because while they are doing their best, the problem here is the people who are doing it, not only do they make money by selling the software in order to do these illegal hacks, but they also do it for their own enjoyment. They climb up to the top ranks and they DDoS servers. If you're in the top ranks on Apex, Usually, I'm sure you've seen the streams if you're not in the top ranks, but in the streams, you've been seeing that people get DDoS as soon as they lose or they'll DDoS the server when the game starts and then just walk around the map killing people. So... This is just what's been going on, and it's it's tragic. It actually sickens me to my stomach. Next on the docket, gamesindustry.biz, Ubisoft at high risk of losing talent after abuse allegation company updates assessment for areas of risk in its latest universal resignation document. So basically, everything was in the title. Basically, Ubisoft is having problem keeping good talent because of the rumors and allegations that's been going around about it being a toxic work environment, and whether that's true or not i mean this is the cause and effect if, if you're gonna have these things buzzing around it's gonna be hard to keep people employed if people hear about certain things happening you won't really see people go out of their way to work there unless they actually need that job and when it comes to jobs like game development you gotta be careful because the indie scene is the indie scene is strong competitive yes but strong and a very valuable revenue to run down. Anywho's Eurogamer.net. Next on the docket: Capcom's anti-tamper measures might be causing Resident Evil Village's poor PC performance. Of course, Digital Foundry reported on Resident Evil Village, a PC version, and they they looked at the port and it was not good. Actually, it was pretty bad because there was flickering and all types of visual stutters and issues once you are in certain parts of the game. And it turns out that these issues are caused by Capcom's Anti-Tamper version three and Nouveau version 11, which um, a hacker found out, a cracker and hacker, turned out he removed this DRM from the game, of course, and it resulted in a smoother gameplay. They gained extra frame rate and clearer visuals. This should tell you something, you cannot bar these games from people for anti-piracy measures to that degree of aggression. you have to take it easy, have to let these things play out. Elsewise, you'll end up with these problems and more people would rather have to well I wouldn't say they would rather have it on console because I would rather play it on PC honestly, but you're forcing people to have to buy it on console and that's just trash. And this, this worry about piracy is a big problem because Steam sales have not dropped off. Steam numbers have not been bad. And most people do not pirate. They really blow it out of proportion. I haven't met a single person that openly said or even admitted or that I've seen that openly pirate these games. So I don't, I don't think it's as bad as they make it seem. And it feels like a waste of money that they're invested in. So, yeah, but plain and simple the whole PC port just plays better without such. And it's a shame. I'm going to let you all make your own opinion on that. But for me, I think that they should to leave that shit alone. Next on NintendoLife.com, Nintendo employee tells fans to stick with current Switch if they're not digging the OLED screen. The OLED screen version of the Nintendo Switch just dropped. Main changes were the new dock with the built-in LAN port and a new design Whereas also an OLED screen was implemented into the Nintendo Switch, which is supposed to give more vibrant color and a slightly bigger resolution for the game to run on. It does look great, a little bit better, and they also upgraded the default internal storage. However, it is not a huge graphical update. This is not a Switch 2. This is not the Super Switch, and this is not the Switch 2.0. Don't even buy into it alright? just just if you want a better screen or you don't have a switch and you would like to get one Then this would be the better purchase But if you already own a Nintendo switch Then it is not advisable to go and get the OLED screen because it won't change your game experience that much It's the same joy-con So you are still susceptible to joy-con analog stick drift and you might want to get something third-party to attach to your switch in order to replace those now, other than that, last thing on the docket over on polygon.com, Mass Effect Legendary Edition and puts the butt shots, a mod puts the butt shots back into the game. Now, I'm sure you all remember me complaining about the character in particular from Mass Effect 2 and 3 named Miranda, who was supposed to be the perfect human being made to procreate with, um, which I never really signed on with that notion, you know not to make it about race but i i just found that very suspect that they would even make that the entire intention of a character but it makes sense within the world's um you know in the world's lore and mythos so i don't really like get too ornery about it it don't really bother me that much but um to get back to on topic though there was A lot of shots in the original games of Mass Effect 2 and 3 where Miranda's ass would be the focal point of the entire shot and it would go from left to right and the camera would follow. And it was annoying to me because I did not like Miranda. Okay, Her jaw looks like something that came directly off of Optimus Prime from one of the Michael Bay Transformer movies. Her jawline is so goddamn strong, I expect her to bench press 5,000 pounds her news. Okay. It's not about that. Okay. She's just not attracted to me. That's the point. And all in all, they tried to force it on you, which made me want it less. Okay. They kept pushing on, Hey, you want to fuck her now? How about now? Do you like it? Go ahead and hit that. How about now? Did not like it, was not a fan. And originally when the game came out on PC, the trilogy, they there was this modder, this very same modder removed the shots of Miranda's butt from the game as much as he could, he or she could. Now that the game has been released in the legendary edition, the trilogy, they're tr- he actually put the butt shots back in. And I'm like, I don't hate you for this because I understand and everybody got to have a horny, you feel me? Um, but it's the irony that, that, that makes it so poetic to me. And I find it kind of funny, you know? I'm not mad about it. It's just, damn. He became the very thing that he sought to destroy, I guess. It's, anyway, that's everything that we have on the docket and from anything that's worth a damn and all that. Um There was a state of play, but as far as I've seen, there's not much new uh, that's been announced aside from what's already been announced. So yeah, there's that for Sony and PlayStation. And let's hope for the best of what's to come. So yeah. And also, keep up with the stream. We've been doing great. I want to thank everybody who comes out to the stream every day to uh, check out the gameplay. Everybody who was there to help with uh, Final Fantasy IX. It was a great time. I really appreciate it. Uh, those who helped me out for sure. And those who were just there watching, I, I thank you as well, just as much. And we're going forward. Hopefully, we can hit this 100 follower milestone. I really do hope so. That's my next goal. So... Without further ado, always remember the channel motto intentions are the most important, actions ain't nothing but loud, and words don't mean a damn thing. Y'all take care of yourselves. Don't forget to go and follow me over at Slim Cognito Mode on Twitter. Admit some stupid stuff. Go ahead and check that out. And the Twitch under the same name as the YouTube channel, which is Slim Cognito Entertainment. Y'all be safe out there. It's hot this summer. Peace.